Yo, welcome to another edition of 43.6, the sports podcast you always wanted. I'm Dustin Perry, and I'm joined by James Key. Hello, James. Hello. And joined by Maddie Key. Hello, Maddie. Yo. We have a packed show for you this afternoon. I guess it depends on what time you're listening to this. But for us, it's late evening. And thank you for joining us. Thank you for subscribing on all the social media platforms and on all your favorite podcast services. We greatly appreciate the support. Now also, um, at least myself and James, are available on Hive. So you should follow us on Hive as well. Because we have absolutely no followers on Hive. So you should uh, definitely reach Uh, out to us on there. You have one. uh, You have one. I have one follower? It's me. (laughs) (laughs) There it is. So... Uh, that's a whole conversation in and of itself, and maybe we'll get to that at an, on later dates. But for today, we plan on talking about the World Cup, the Toronto Blue Jays, the NFL Week 11 Plus, give you our picks for NFL Week 12. We have an update on that little league called the CFL, and then in the wrestling corner, we'll talk a bit about AEW's full gear pay-per-view that took place this past weekend. But before we get to all that, oh, also, I should mention this episode, this episode 32 of 43.6 is brought to you by now your treasures but we will talk a bit more about them later but first we want to talk about our week and the things that have happened in our lives since the last time we met for a podcast and james we'll start with you yeah man dude i want to i had a question so i was at work and i was asking around people like hey like what do you guys like do for your like your holiday tradition of like putting up your tree or you know like what do do you guys do i was just curious right and one of the guys was like yeah we sit around we watch the santa claus parade we eat food we drink hot chocolate and we put up the tree so it was suggested that i go to the santa claus parade with my daughter but dude it was fucking windy and cold on sunday so i was like fuck that um and i decided to kind of replicate that i was like okay we'll just sit around watch santa claus parade put up the tree and have a nice afternoon so i went to go look for it on tv couldn't find it i'm like do i have the wrong day so it wasn't on tv so i googled it like the santa claus parade the toronto one right it was being broadcast on the cp24 app or cp24 youtube so i was like okay no that kind of makes sense whatever even though it's like Sunday afternoon programming, like what are you, what are you competing with the 700 club? So I was like, all right, whatever. So I pull up the YouTube. It was over. <laughs> like, I guess it started at 11. I thought it started at two. Well, first of all, I think you have the wrong day. Like the Santa Claus parade was on Saturday, wasn't it? Sunday. Oh, it was Sunday. Yeah. So I had the wrong day. Then. There you go. See? Um, so it was already over, but the guess the benefit of it being on YouTube is that the stream is available right away. So I was like, okay, I'll just hit play. My kid doesn't know any different, right? So I hit play, and dude, do you okay? Did you watch the Santa Claus parade as a kid? I was in a parade when I was a kid at one point. Um, the Santa Claus parade, <laughs> like the Brampton Santa Claus parade. Were you, yeah. were you an elf? <laughs> I don't remember exactly what I was dressed as. So, like, the church that we had went to growing up, they had a float, for, I guess, about their church, I suppose. And everyone who was on this float dressed up like someone from the nativity scene, I suppose. So I think my dad was like a shepherd or something, and my mom was... I don't know what my mom was. She wasn't Mary. And 
they must have made up a she must have been an angel or some shit. I don't know. You're definitely being But I genius. remember putting on some stupid costume and freezing my ass off on this stupid float for however long it takes to drive around. But have did I ever watch the parade as a kid? I don't remember if I did. I think I must have. But like, okay, so I had this like pre conceived notion of what I remembered it being with like they have the broadcasters, it's usually two 40-something white Karens with their earmuffs and they're like, we're here at the Santa Claus parade and oh, we can't wait to talk about what I... Dude, it was one static camera on the corner uh, right across from the ROM and the audio didn't work for the first 40 minutes of the stream and then it randomly kicks in and I tell you, dude, they like... They must, in the two years that they haven't done this, they must like all these people must have forgot how to do it because the per, the floats were bootleg. Like it was just so bad. Like you couldn't tell the difference whether that was the Toronto Santa Claus Parade or the Bowmanville Santa Claus Parade. There was no difference between these parades, and I was kind I was kind of dejected sitting watching it. My kid, however, knew none the fuck the difference. Santa Claus shows up on screen. It was <laughs> like oh my god, right? But me, I'm kind of like. Where, like where's the pomp and circumstance you know i know it's not macy's i know there's not any like floating balloons but come on it was pretty sad i was i was really they used to they used to hand shit out and i get like covid times you can't really hand out candy or whatever well they do for halloween so i don't know it was just well, it seems kind of bootleg i guarantee you i know exactly what it was what who owns cp24 bell it's bell media and what did Bell Media do a few, like, a year ago? Or <laughs> they cut everybody. They, knows everybody. they know how to do everyone yeah. who, the Santa Claus parade team. So anyone who was a producer at, T, at TSN, at CTV, at CP24 that was there for a while that would have known how to produce a show like this, they got cut loose. Oh, it was so definitely... they said, oh, we'll just set up a webcam and, like, shoot it to Twitch. Who cares? Definitely Johnny Inter with a GoPro was the... Was the... Uh, theme of the day but it was, it was just pretty upsetting like, it was, like and it was so bad because like what happens is like santa comes by and then he's gone <laughs> it's just he's gone like before there were multiple cameras you could follow him down the street whatever no like he gone and that was it so it was kind of upsetting but whatever trees up and I, I bought um i got real tired of unplugging my lights which is kind of like i guess a first world problem on my tree so i am i'm now officially a govi household as well like everything i have is we've talked about this so i bought an outlet so i can time the the tree to turn off um but and, I, and then i when i bought the outlet and i added it to my app i started thinking when i was in college there were people who went to school for home automation <laughs> now now it's just an app. like there are people who paid for a full-on education to automate homes and now it's like just buy this thing in this app and you're done like imagine going to school for that I feel like Maddie and I have had that conversation like last week, how we have both become Govi households, and now James has joined the party as well. Oh, I love it. I'm by the light bulb. Like, I loved my TV lights, but then I got like the LEDs for a shelf, and then I got the smart plugs now. I'm all on it, man. Every house, every plug in here is going to be a smart plug. Until the Wi-Fi goes down, then you're fucked. <laughs> until, until I'm trying to play a video game, it's just like... But that's it for me, man. I got nothing else. Maddie? Uh, just played a lot of Pokemon, I guess. <laughs> I knew that's where you were going with that. Because 
I haven't had as much time to play as much Pokemon as I wanted to, but what, so what are you looking at right now? Like, what's your party looking like? Like, what, how many badges do you have? What path have you taken? I guess, first of all, we should probably start with, we are, you and I, Team Mighty Ducks, right? What do you mean? Well, our, our starter Pokemon. Well, you, you picked Fuecoco, didn't you? I did not pick Fuecoco. I picked Quaxley. Okay, because I thought for sure you were leaning Fuecoco at the start. No, no, definitely not. I don't know. Can I, you I cannot see what you're showing at me right now. Oh, it's my Switch because it's right here. So my team is the Why final Why does your form. Switch look like a Steam Deck? Because I have the Hori Split Pad Pro. Makes it easier on the hands to play. Mm. Yeah, it's worth the 40 bucks, <clears throat> except that it kills your battery. But no, I got... Uh, Quaxley's final. I got the new Cerulege, Lucario, uh, Garchomp, Arcanine, and Primeape's new evolution. Oh. Just right now. Because um, the gyms do get harder. What is like the average level of all these Pokemon? Like 45. Jesus Christ. My, my highest level Pokemon right now is my Quaxley at level like 15. <laughs> so I have I not had as much time. No, it's it's good. It's glitchy as shit, but and it doesn't run as well as you would expect it. And you know, you would think when you see games like Zelda or you know Xenoblade and shit like that that they could make it work. So hopefully they patch it out. But we'll see. But no, other than that, that's pretty much it. <clears throat> is it is it worth the ninety? Like I know I asked you loosely, Matt, but honest, Duskin too. Is it worth the ninety? Like I'm a. I'm a pretty staunch Pokemon player. Like I've played pretty much every iteration. Uh, I've not gotten the glitches that other people have gotten, where like Pokemon disappear or you throw a ball and it just goes off to the ether. It's like it's just framey that I've gotten. It is very badly framey. Um, the poppin is. It doesn't bother me. But there's times where like a Pokemon will just appear out of nowhere behind you. You're like, what the? F where did you come from? Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of that, and especially when you're trying to like, I mean, you're trying to catch the Pokemon. You're trying, and the way the mechanic in the game works now is like, if the poke, like, you can walk up to a wild Pokemon, and if it sees you for long enough, it'll just start a battle with you. So if you turn oh, around, all of a sudden there's a Pokemon like right beside you. Like, oh, I guess I'm battling you now too. See, um, I haven't had that happen. Mostly, if I stand there and they see me, they start chasing me. Like, they get curious, they get the question mark, yeah, and then they just sit there, and then the exclamation mark, and then they'll start running towards you. Hmm. So I got that. But, no, like, I mean, that's the thing, is if you can put up with framey and, you know, just things being slow, like selecting the Pokemon Center to talk to person, it's kind of slow, or, you know, you throw a Pokeball, it's where before it says you throw this ball, and it takes, like, a second for it to the animation to actually happen, it takes like four seconds in this. So if you can put up with that shit, then yeah, it's worth it. But I mean, I've been enjoying it. Clearly, I've put in like 50 hours. Yeah, like it's definitely still enjoyable. I wish there was <clears throat> like some of the quality of life stuff that was changed with Arceus or Arceus or whatever. I wish some of those translated over to this game. Now, I know it was a different team that did it, but some of my favorite things to do in Pokemon Arceus was like sneaking around and whipping that Pokeball in the back of the Pokemon's head. It makes that really <laughs> satisfying sound when you smoke them in the back of the head. Like that was fun. But the fact that I have to battle every single one of these things over and over and over and over again 
that's where it feels like it's, well, a, it's a bit more of a slog. If one's sleeping, you can sneak up on it and just throw a ball. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. If it's sleeping or whatever, you can just sneak up, throw a ball at it. But I will say, I assuming that the issue is that it's it's an ambitious game where <clears throat> it's not just you do the the eight gyms and then the elite four and then you're done and like the legendary hunt it's once you beat it there's a whole new area that opens up there's you know there's the eight gyms there's the five team star leaders there's the five titans that you got to beat there's the all the extra secret shit and the map is actually legitimately big so it's an ambitious game. So, uh, like I can kind of tolerate the, I guess, glitches or frames. But other than that, no, I've, I've had fun with it. So, Yeah, I don't think it, the glitches are bad enough to say I don't want to play this game. I'm definitely still enjoying it. Uh, it definitely could be better, but... Well, it's shit they can patch anyway, so we'll see. Well, shit that you can patch, yes. <laughs> Will they patch? Who knows? Yeah, they did it with Sword and Shield. Sword and Shield okay. launched with some glitches and shit like that. So I'm assuming they will get to it. So maybe I'll wait for the patch. Maybe I'll wait for... Honestly, it's not even like that big of a deal, though. Like, if you want to play the game, it's worth playing. Do you think it's just bitchy gamers? Like, is that what it is then? No, like, I, I, th- I, I think it's still valid. Like, it's valid criticism of the game. It's not polished. It doesn't look good. Especially for the standards of Nintendo, where their games are very rarely glitchy or yeah. buggy. Like, it's not like it's a cyberpunk launch or something. It's not no. that catastrophic where people are asking for refunds. This is still a playable game. It's still fun. It doesn't look good, doesn't run good, but it's still fun. So, hmm. all right. What about you? You know what's not fun, though? What? Having to deal with fucking Bell. <laughs> So this is an incredibly long story. I'm not going to tell the whole story, but I've been back and forth on the phone with Bell. And so if you're not familiar with Bell, uh, if you're not listening from this country, it's our internet service provider. One of one of the very few internet service providers in this country. So I'm getting a new Bell service set up and they said, okay, so we have to like mail you the, the equipment and whatever. And I said, well, Sure, but I want like this set up like the day I move to the new place. Like I don't want like to wait for some someone to set it up for me. Like no, no, it's it's you know self installation. You can do it yourself. So we'll just send you the stuff. I'm like, well, I don't live there currently. So uh, <laughs> if you send it, it's not going to arrive in time. So how about you send it to my current address, and I will physically move it myself and set it up physically myself. And that was the whole thing, and they couldn't figure out how to do it because, like, with two different addresses and shit, and I had to talk to, like, four different people just to change an address, but it all supposedly was set up, and, okay, you move in on the 1st, and you're going to get your stuff to your current address on the 28th. Cool. Then I get a message earlier, like, last week saying, oh, hey, just so you know, your service, like, your uh, installation has been set for this Saturday. I'm like, what? What installation? What the fuck are we talking about? So I had to call them again. We're like, yo, what, what installation? Like, I'm not going to be there. Like, I don't live there. So if they need to be into the unit, they're not getting into the unit. Like, oh, no, no, no problem. It's just, they're just going outside. They're just doing something on the outside of the building. They don't have to go into your unit. Don't worry about it. Like, All right, whatever. And then I got like another, so that was a text message from Bell. And then I got an email from Bell giving me more information about like this service. And they have to enter the unit. I'm like, well, God damn it. 
<laughs> so now I call them back again. I'm like, okay, someone told me that they don't need to go into my unit. Do they need to? And like, oh yeah, of course. They definitely have to go into your unit. Okay. So I explained to them the situation again. And I said, you know what? How about this? Just reschedule this stupid thing that's happening on the 19th or whatever. Just reschedule it to like after I move in. Okay? Fuck it. I will set up what I can when I get there. And then you guys come in on like a day later or the next day or whatever and do your stupid installation. Okay, great. So I get an email from them of like the new date. So here's the new installation date. And then right below it, it says your uh, equipment will ship out on the same day as the installation. <laughs> like, how did we list this? Like, no, I need it the week before. <laughs> so I have to call him back again. And I called him back again. And then I re- said, okay, I have this December 3rd or 2nd, whatever date for the new installation. And they said they're shipping me the stuff on that day. I need the stuff shipped the week before. And they said, okay, hold on. Let, we can put you on hold. We'll figure this out. I was on hold for like 15 minutes. And they come back. And they're like, oh, uh, yeah, we shipped it already. <laughs> you should get it today. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know why it says it's going to arrive on the 2nd of December, but okay. And lo, lo and behold, it showed up later that day. Fine. It's sitting in a box right over there. No problem. I'll bring it over myself. Guess what happens on Saturday, the 19th of November? A technician showed up at your new place. A technician calls me and says, hey, I'm outside. I'm like, outside where? What, you're, you're, like the new address? Go, no, I'm not there. I don't live there. I'm in a different city right now. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, brother, but um, you're not getting into the unit and you're not getting in the building. So figure it out. And then he's like, okay, I'll have to talk to my manager. I'm like, you call whoever you feel like you need to call, sir. And goodbye. So I guarantee you, when I move into this place, there will be no technician that shows up. <laughs> no. Well, you can't Not install it yourself anyway. Yeah, you I can't. Can install, I can't. No, you, you can't. can't. You can't install. They have fiber. to run the fiber wire into the unit. Well, it's a rel- it's a new building, and I'm pretty sure it's already pre wired. Right, it's so, pre wired, but they got to pull the actual wire down. It's not just, and then they have to cap it with a cap that goes into because it's just like an open fiber optic cable. Yeah. With no so cap. there's there's a metal cap that has to go on the end of it. That goes into your modem. Yeah, so you're fucked, right, well, sir. I, what I don't yeah, understand I is, look, is the, like, on everything I buy on the internet, I get a billing address and a shipping address. <laughs> Why can't they, like, it's the same concept. Even, so, and I even brought this up to them. Like, okay, if you guys are so hell-bent on doing this installation and you need a technician there... Why can't they just do everything themselves? Why am I doing self-installation? Just can they just bring the fucking equipment with them and set it all up like they've always done? Like, why is self-installation a thing if some asshole has to come out anyways? So the assumption is upgrades. So, like, if you're an existing customer, they're assuming, you know, obviously you got into it. No, I'm moving. I'm doing this and blah, blah, blah. But when they see the account, they see existing customer that you're just upgrading. Right, so like if you go from one modem to the other, you just pull the cap out, plug it in. That well, I don't think, thing. and that I don't think the technicians, I don't think the technicians and the the technology ever really cross paths until they're at your place, right? Like I think the 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 way they do this is they house all the equipment just in some rando place, like an FC somewhere that they ship it out of, and then the technician just leaves from his house into his van. 
Right. And they, like, you know what I mean? Like, that's the only explanation I can think of is that they don't, well, they don't go to like a bell office. Here's the stupid thing though. Like, so I'm calling them and trying to figure all this shit out. At the end of the call, every single call, and obviously they're told to do this. They're like, oh, okay, so that's everything great. While I have you, uh, who's your uh, cell phone provider? (laughs) For $55 a month, you can get this. Fucking you are my service provider. (laughs) You are, Bell. How do you not see that? On my yeah. account. Yeah. This is there money? drives me nuts. Is there money I'm not saving because you don't know this? Like, it's it's unbelievable. Technically, it's, your 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 bill payments go to pay these people. They do. Right. Yeah. So you're paying yeah, for their incompetence. It's pretty atrocious. How was the rest of your weekend? Well, the rest of the weekend was pretty all right because I was at uh, Smash Wrestling Smash versus Wrestling. WXW, which was a good time. Uh, we had a event in Toronto at the Rex, uh, the Rec Center, <laughs> at the Rec Room on Saturday night, and then Sunday afternoon was in London, Ontario, for, with the London Music Hall, which is always a very fun place to go. It was, uh, it was cool, to say the least. I, um, it's nice to meet other people that you've never met before. Like I don't know any of these guys from WXW. I don't think I've ever met any of them actually. Yeah, I think it was the first time I met any of those guys, so that was cool. Uh, it was nice to, like, the promoter of WXW was there, too, Felix, he's a cool guy. Um, it was just, <laughs> like, learning to say some words in German was fun. Like, not necessarily words, but, like, towns and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a different experience. It's nice to, you know, do something different, because with what I do in ring announcing, especially, like, with Smash, I know the roster so well that, like, I could show it's, up five minutes before the show. It's the same thing every I mean, time, right? It's rinse and repeat. Like I, yeah, like I, I, I know Kevin Bennett's from North Tonawanda, New York, and he's you know 185 beats per minute is his weight yeah. for some reason. Like I, I know all that stuff off the top of my head. But when someone else is brought in, then I have to like write something down and learn it and whatever. So it at least makes me do a bit more work than I normally have to, which is nice. Um, it's not as like monotonous. And it was also cool because, like, it's filming for WWE Network, which is just weird. You know, it's just such a weird thing that, like, I'm going to pull up a show on WWE Network and there's going to be my stupid face there, right? So, But there was, already, that, there was already that, like, the progress shows were there. Uh, no, I don't think they are, are they? Yeah. What, Smash vs. Progress? Yeah. I don't think so. Yes, they are, because Brad Myers I'm was a calling- ref. No, no. Like, so the ones that Brad Myers was on, that was the WXW Ambition shows. Oh, from that weekend. Right. So the SummerSlam weekend when Smash Wrestling did all those shows leading up to SummerSlam. And like I'm pretty sure the Smash vs. Of- Progress shows are on there. I am on the network right now, and I'm typing Smash vs. Progress. And it's spinning. <laughs> the little thing is spinning. Oh, wait, what came up? Nope. Super Mob Smash 12 came up. Where the fuck that is? No. Uh, the best of Timothy Thatcher. So I bet that match might. Mm. So there's a whole bunch of like best of collections in here. There may be a match or so yeah. in the best of collection, but the it's actual event is not up there. Smash Mob has a better SEO. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, that's that's cool, man. That's good. It's a lot of driving. It it's is a lot of driving here. Just hearing about it. And I'm looking ahead at like uh, next month's schedule where I'm uh, with Greek Town, and of course now Greek Town's doing three days instead of two days. Dude, and so then, dude, Town, 
I gotta give a shout out to to Channing Decker in Greektown. That man, you want to talk about ambitious? That man is London now Hamilton. Good for that guy. Yep, and it's all in the same weekend, right? So like on the Friday we're in Hamilton, and then Saturday we're in Toronto, and then Sunday we're in London. Hey, you know what? It's way better than doing Montreal to London. <laughs> yeah, there was some smash events where we were in Montreal one night and then Toronto the next. You really or it was London no, the next night. Yeah, it, it was, was Montreal Mo- yeah. to London. The logistics nightmare. Yeah, you really do need to plan that out a bit better. But no. yeah, so like looking ahead to December where I have those three in a row. It so it's nice that it's all grouped together and by the time you get to the Sunday event, like you don't really have to know anything, which is what I always say when people ask me about like wrestling commentary and stuff i'm like the guys on tv so excalibur michael cole whatever they have it so fucking easy because dude, they're on fucking autopilot like like it's because you do it so much that your reactions and your your knowledge and everything is just it's just bang like you're just you're not you know they they have like no but like they could do it backwards with their eyes closed you know what i mean like they'd be staring at the crowd and just like you, 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 it just becomes like a reflex. I'm assuming yeah. there's a lot of rehearsal and planning, and for sure, for yeah, like, too, right? especially for Michael Cole. Like, and I'm not trying to say Michael Cole's job is easy. What I'm trying to say is that, like, he has the benefit of having the same roster every single week. He has the benefit of knowing the storylines week out, week in, and week out, week in, and week out. Like, I'll go a month without even thinking about Great Town Wrestling. <clears throat> and then I have to all of a sudden remember who's Put mad at who, who Put doesn't like who, who's in a storyline with who, who's fighting for this, and why are they mad at each other? And and you have to like try to get that story out there. But and like a, a, a few weeks later, you're with Smash Wrestling, and you've forgotten all that, and you're doing something else. And then you're with like another promotion later, and then you've forgotten that. And like it's that, that's and why you have I was to, like, trying to not let some of that information creep into your brain of like, oh wait, that didn't happen here. That happened in another wrestling promotion. I probably shouldn't even talk about that. That's why I always so found it doing commentary the times that I did do it at Smash was easy because I had a hand in writing half the stuff that I was watching. So it, you, you know the story you want to tell and you're able to have a hand in actually telling it, which made or it really easy. what you wrote. Yeah, right? So it was like, I think to the what's in the box match, it was really easy to set up certain things because you know what you want to elicit, right? So... Um, but yeah, like like you said, when you're on those like three day trips, by Sunday it it like it's autopilot. Like you've just done it for for two nights. What well, I assume yeah. for Michael Cole and like those guys and shit like that, the actual show is probably the easy part. The work leading up to it's probably all the hard shit. Yeah, yeah for sure. And they are traveling. Like I'm, <laughs> we're complaining about traveling from like Toronto to London, which is the one and a half hour drive. <laughs> so, um. But it's These also probably a lot different now. All over the place, so. It's probably also a lot different now with Triple H. Like they clearly have more freedom of expression, so it's probably actually easier in that they don't have someone screaming in their ear all night, and there's the flexibility to kind of be the personality that they want to be. Like they're not so crafted and presented. So if anything, their job is probably like still like I mean incredibly complicated. But I imagine there's some breathing room. I think is the right term. Yeah, the Michael Cole. Better. Yeah, the culture for sure. I, I, Cole was on Pat McAfee's podcast recently, 
And he didn't outright say it, but like he alluded to the fact yeah. that like he is very happy that Vince McMahon is gone, <laughs> or or at least in terms of like he's happy that Vince isn't yelling in his ear for three he's, hours every month. He's a welcoming of change. I think this is uh, this is the way of of saying like, like it, they got to the point they just tolerated Vince because he was the boss, and it's like, well, what are we supposed to do? Well, yeah, I think I think Vince made you tolerate him. Like I think that was it. Like if you didn't, you didn't have a job. Like it was. And for guys like Cole, you just become so good at taking the screaming and yelling. It, it again, you just go, okay, sure. Like you don't take it personally at that point. It's just Vince being Vince, right? I remember someone telling a story. Like, I think it was Jerry Lawler, who said he was on commentary with Punk, and at one point in like a commercial break or something, Punk leaned over. He's like, "Where's the the volume for Vince?" It's like it was right there. He was. <laughs> turned all the way down <laughs> and, and Lawler's looking at him like we can do that like what is this guy crazy I don't know That's if Punk funny. lasts on commentary much longer than that I can <laughs> can you imagine just just the, shut the up, steam boss. coming out of Vince's ears oh. when he's like yelling at Phil and like and there's he's no not response. even hearing him because he yeah. has no volume well like could you imagine just putting it into like your own life experience of sitting at your desk and as you're working, it's your boss just literally sitting there next to you, just yelling in your ear all the time saying, do this, do that. Like micromanaging is one thing, but that's just next level shit. <clears throat> yeah. And speaking of next level messed up shit, the World Cup is upon us finally. And I was thinking about this as I shoveled snow off the driveway yesterday, <laughs> like, <laughs> like ankle deep in snow thinking the World Cup starts today. Like that's yeah. This is this is the world we live in because in forty-five uh, degree nighttime weather in Qatar. Yeah, there's actually a documentary, like a four four part documentary series on Netflix right now about how corrupt FIFA is. Um, my buddy told me to watch it. Actually, I was just talking to him the other day. I was watching bits of it, and it's it's actually it's not really even that interesting. <laughs> so you really have to care about the source material. But I think the, the through line through the whole thing is how messed up things are at FIFA. And I think we've all known that for a while, though, right? Yeah. And, I mean, that's part of the documentary because it's, it's been a while, right? Like, like Sepp Blatter and all this fucked up shit. Yeah, since even before Sepp Blatter, too. <clears throat> so maybe it is worth watching if you're interested in the whole thing. Um, but nevertheless, one of the things they pointed to on that documentary of being... Appearing to be corrupt, at least, was the fact that Qatar was even awarded the World Cup. And when you, I don't know how the numbers in front of me. I had it before. I don't know what to do with it. But base, oh, there it is. Uh, like the bidding to host the World Cup, like it, it came down to the U.S. and Qatar, and Qatar out vote, got got more votes for the U.S. like fourteen to eight. Hmm. So like, I want, yeah, because they just lined everyone's pockets, right? That's the hypothesis. <laughs> Now, I mean, I don't even think at this point it's really a hypothesis. Like, that's the known. Well, you know. that's what most people are led to believe of <laughs> what happened. I just don't want to get my head chopped off by the Qatari government. So, well, I was going to say, just before you get into this, actually, this was just kind of came out. It's just talking about Qatar in general, about the World Cup. Christian Jacker, and I think we all know who that is, you know, famous soccer or football commentator and news guy in Canada. Say three forty-five a.m. Nothing like being held ransom by an Uber driver in Qatar for ninety minutes, who dropped us off at the wrong place because he switched to another customer on a different phone, demanded the money on the spot before we can go into our lodging, involve security, and threaten to call police. 
like they know that if you're like that's at that point you're risking like getting because i mean they say when you travel the one thing you never want to do is get involved with like international police especially when you're outside of north america as a north american because they're not going to give a shit about you but could you imagine being a north american in qatar and the police get called on you by like a native of qatar like that's it for you yeah that's man, that's <clears throat> gotta be fucking terrifying well how many guys how many guys think and I, I don't think it's just isolated to that place but like anywhere think that they're gonna take advantage of these people like these they're so far from home some random british white dude and qatar like you're you're easy pickings for anybody who wants to to Jackie, right, and jam you up. So, like, I don't know, man. Like, it's, it's date. Like those, ugh, anything like that. And it's just, I don't know. It sounds, it sounds kind of like, what's well, it sounds kind of inset, culturally insensitive. But like, if the World Cup was in Sweden, I don't think you're worried about Uber drivers, like, taking you in the back alley. So, oh, is this the wrong spot? You want to go home? Like, it's not. Like it's not the same, right? So, um, yeah, it's just it's such a weird thing. And I, what freaks me out is, at, like, we know how bad these things are. We know all this stuff, yet we're all still jacked, right? Like, we're all still super oh, we stoked. Feed the FIFA monster, right? We do, right? And I like I'm I'm a victim of it too, mostly because I've been more into soccer and football, football, over the last year. But like, I'm jacked for the World Cup, and I know like in a weird way I shouldn't be. Like maybe morally and upstandingly, I shouldn't be, but here I am. <laughs> like, you can be. I think you can be jacked for the World Cup, but like flat outright, you know, oppose Qatar and what they stand for, right? Like, I think you you can kind of separate the players involved and the countries involved against Qatar as a nation because the countries really have no say. Yeah, I mean more and, like the organization. Like, I, I think yeah. it's hard to like. Am I saying? <laughs> I don't know. I struggle with that. Am I supporting FIFA, right? Like by watching and, and engaging in the content, maybe. I don't know. It's a it's weird the thing. Same thing with the Olympics, though, right? Like the yeah. Olympics are just as corrupt. Yeah. And when the Olympics took place in Nazi Germany, yeah, like, that was a scene, man. Like guys well, on the, the podium doing. The U.S. didn't go. Or a lot could, of countries did. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like the the Olympics still existed and. You see guys with the gold medal on the podium doing a Nazi salute. Like, that is messed up. Like, if you yeah. look at, at, with 2022 eyes, looking back at that. Or what about the, uh, the fact the Olympics or whatever went to Russia in a time where they probably shouldn't have? And that was, that's modern, right? Like, yeah, so the, the entire fucking team can't even compete. Yet we're hosting. Like, okay. Like, it just seems really, you know, it all seems very disheartening for for something that should be a celebration of of multinational sport you know and i want to circle back to this point because you're you're we're bringing up a very interesting point but before we get there i, I do want to also talk about the beer story too <laughs> you go, because, yeah, go lighthearted before we get really deep dive so again like this is what I expected. I, mean, I shouldn't say I expected this specifically out of Qatar, but like I expected them to say one thing and do another. Like I knew this was going to go this way in some fashion. And this is just one example of it. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot more examples as the tournament goes on. 
But the story was that like Budweiser or whomever the parent company of Budweiser, Amherst or whatever the fuck, they had an agreement with FIFA for 75 million euros to be like the official beer provider and sponsor of the tournament. And then two days prior to the tournament starting, Qatar, the Qatar government, government or however they're, they're set up, I don't know if they're a monarchy regime. or whatever the fuck, the regime said, you know what? Nah, no beer. We're not selling beer in the stadiums. Well, they said uh, it's they like will, after the first half, right? They will sell it to the people in boxes to like only the most wealthy people are allowed to drink. But like the regular common folk who are in the regular seats are not allowed to consume alcohol. To be fair, to be fair, um, is it really that bad of a decision? I mean, if you're if you're already surrounded in whatever problems, and do you really need a bunch of drunk hooligans causing shit? Soccer hooligans. You know what I mean? Like we, like you see um, what happens when people, like I don't know, was Brazil or whatever, they light half the stands on fire. They don't need that shit. Well, especially in a country like that. That's what I'm saying, right? Well, like, yes, in a country that uh, typically has religious um, views that look down upon consuming alcohol. So I understand from a cultural perspective, and I understand from a religious perspective, but I feel like you could have told. Budweiser that more than two days in advance. Right? <laughs> Thanks for the money. That's all I'm saying. Thanks for the I money, just, Howard. Right. But think of how many international incidents are probably going to be avoided, though, with like, think of like, let's call a spade a spade. Like, you have a lot of Americans traveling over there that they think that their way of life extends wherever they go. Well, not so, just Americans, but Europeans as well. And, no, yeah, I know, like, but I just think like Americans more than any other think, well, this is how it is at home for me. So that's how it is wherever I go. Instead of being like understanding, like we had the conversation a while, like a, a week or two ago about how when you travel, you have to understand that, you know, how you live at home doesn't extend to when you travel. Like when I go to Korea, I'm very aware that, you know, like I said, you hold the door for someone. They don't say thank you because they don't do that there. Like that's holding the door for people doesn't exist. Yeah, I think so, that was last week when we talked about Brittany, uh, Griner. Yeah, yeah. Griner, so, whatever. So how many Americans do you think would get arrested and detained probably unnecessarily for extended periods of time because they were drunk idiots and that's just an excuse to lock them up because they're like, well, I'm American. You can't do this. It's like, well, you're not in America. Uh, I think a lot of Western Central European <laughs> countries are probably the same too, but I, I agree yeah. with you. I think it's, it's, um, it's, the, the thing about the Budweiser thing is like they can sure they might not be served but like the the reach of Budweiser as a sponsor for the World Cup Krupp stretches far beyond just the the local event like I don't think Budweiser is yeah. losing anything by them not serving alcohol at the event Do you know what I mean like it's such like so many eyes of this around the world that they're getting fair value I think for their money regardless you of whether even alcohol's... argue that this whole story has brought more eyes to the Budweiser brand anyways, right? Probably. Yeah. Like and, and, and sympathy for sure. And probably sympathy, right? Yeah. Like so And then did you see what Budweiser tweeted out? Hmm. They tweeted out this picture of near beer? Oh no, no, no. no. <laughs> that would be ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> um it's a So I can you imagine a skid of case of beer. So there's like one, two, three, four, 
maybe 16 cases on one layer of the pallet and it goes up one, two, eight three, levels. four, five, six, seven, like eight high. So there's like a shit ton of beer on this skid. And this picture has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, maybe, maybe fifty pallets visible in this picture. So it's a lot of beer. It's it, it, and it's in a warehouse. So it clearly looks like this is the beer that was gonna be shipped to Qatar for this tournament. And it says, New day, new tweet. Winning country gets the buds. <laughs> that's brilliant. But see, that's like so this, they we're probably throw a party for whoever, whatever country wins the World Cup. We are going to throw the biggest Budweiser party for them because all this beer that we couldn't sell at the event goes we're to giving you. to the team and we're giving to this the country and they're going to do whatever they want with it. But like, the, it couldn't have actually gone any better for them. Like, if, imagine this didn't happen, then it's just another sponsorship. This is like free these, positive PR beyond just being a sponsor for the event. Right? Like, if, if I'm Budweiser, I'm like, thank you. You know, like, this is fantastic. Spin, this is Spin Doctor's dream. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, I mean, like, the PR guy had his job done for him after that. He's like, I don't have to do anything. Man's got a raise for nothing. Like, for sure. I'm, I'm going on Christmas vacation right now, guys. Yep. You can uh, <laughs> send, oh, a, send tweet. I'll see you in January. <laughs> send fat tweet. bonus. I'm gone. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like, the fat bonus he's getting for that one. But yeah, like it's, I don't know. And you hear other shit too, like the lodging for certain people, like maybe not the athletes, but like some of the guests and shit, like the hotels are not up in to any par. way, shape or form up to snuff. Or you hear like, like what about the Iranian guys who are probably like the team genuinely afraid of going home because they refuse to sing or support the national anthem of Iran during today's game against, uh, who was it? Um, England. Got dusted by England, but yeah, like they refused to sing, and they're all saying like, you know, actresses and other athletes and should have been locked up for less for speaking so wait, out against the, the, the Iranian, Iranian team refused to sing their own anthem. Yeah, and they protested essentially. They're at their first game, and everyone's saying like they're like some of these guys are going to have to go back to Iran. Some of them play in like other leagues, like in Italy and. Germany and England and Spain and shit, but some of these guys are going to have to go home. And they said there's a good chance they're getting locked up. And, and England took a knee with them in solidarity, right? Like I'm pretty sure that I d I didn't see the full article. I just know that like I read the article and then I think also I saw read it, yeah. some of the spin from like the Iranian government calling them traitors and like pictures of them in pools of blood, calling them like Jesus Christ murderers and shit like that. Like it's it's insane, and I'm just. I don't know for everything that country's been through and they're currently fighting for hmm. and I'll be totally honest. I'm wholly ignorant. And it's just like for these guys to on arguably the world's biggest stage of sport. I mean, you could argue world cup is bigger than the Olympics and you know, it's like they're willing to do that knowing what it could cost them in terms of going home. Some of them, you never know. It could cost them their life. Guys go through accidents or get locked up and that's it for them. And you know, Good on them. So apparently England took a knee for their own inequality issues out in England right now, out in Britain. Like more support for the LGBTQ plus uh, community and stuff like that. So I think there's... Well, I think Harry Kane wore an armband, didn't he? He did. I think there's a staunch conservative government out there right now. Um, and I think a lot, of, a lot of the progressive people are kind of upset with the rolling back of some of the views. So, 
I mean, you got a platform. Like I said, it's arguably bigger than the Olympic platform, right? Like outside of standing on a gold medal podium for the 100 meters or in the winter standing on, you know, hockey for the gold medal, that's their crown jewel for the Winter Olympics, that it's just like, you know, anthems before World Cup on any game, especially could you imagine if it's England in the final and yeah. something like that? It's, it's your opportunity. Of- and the fact that they have the stones to do that, knowing the shit they're going to face, there's a lot of uh, interesting through lines for this World Cup that exist outside of soccer, which is kind of unfortunate because, like we said even last week, sometimes you just want to focus on the fucking sport, man. But, like, these things are real and they're happening and, and the big audience lends lends itself to big stories. Yeah, like, and you brought it up earlier of, like, I don't know if you, you out and out said it, but, like, I guess you kind of left the thread there of, like, it sucks that we have to you know, be in the situation of not wanting to support it. Like, should we be supporting FIFA? Like, should we boycott this whole tournament? But for me, and I think I speak for you guys as well, but correct me if I'm wrong, but I think for us, the reason why we're so jacked about it is that Canada's in it. And, like, that doesn't happen ever. So, (laughs) like, for Canada to finally be in this tournament, it's for these guys. You know, it's for Atiba Hutchinson. It's for Jonathan Osorio. Like, it's for these guys that never got the recognition and now Canada's finally getting it and, and still don't I know well, they still don't like if they're not getting new kits from Nike like the least we could do is watch and support but like you said it feeds the monster that is FIFA like FIFA knows they got us by the nutsack right like that's they, they have everyone they, the monopoly on on high level football I mean I guess that's every sport like somebody has to have the highest level right like that's or else it's not the highest level um they well, have you by the nutsack. It went through with Hockey Canada, right? Like, that's the highest level. And they had all the organizations and everyone under their thumb for so long that shit gets covered up, right? Even people that aren't even involved in the sport that are victims of shit. And yeah, it's and you can, up because Hockey Canada. And imagine exponentially that because FIFA is just oh, on yeah. a completely it's different a stratosphere. Titan. Right, so it's, I like I would like to see what FIFA's net per year is. It's probably in. Or what's know. FIFA worth? Like, what is FIFA itself worth? Billions. FIFA FIFA net worth. Now he, here's another thing, though. Like we're we're talking about Canada and the recognition that they probably deserve and they don't deserve. Like they have been so <laughs> overlooked in this tournament. Like not just the uniforms with Nike. That that's bullshit on its own but even when they did the draw for the groups like somehow like the u.s and mexico are ranked higher than canada yeah we dummied them in the comic like what are we talking about and then what so i'm not sure if i should be like okay on one hand i'm looking at the fifa rankings and saying these rankings don't fucking mean anything because Obviously, if you just watch what Canada has done over the past few years, they are a better team than the United States, and they are a better team than Mexico. Yeah. But, fine. Then I saw the game earlier today with England and Iran. And... It was, it was like watching a hockey game. Dude. Even the fact that England gave up two goals, that, that's kind of embarrassing. Of Like, how that game went, right? Like, to give up two goals, and I know one was a penalty, but... They were England, pronouns, pal. England was 
by by far the better team. And I don't think I'm saying I don't think I'm breaking news by saying that. But what I what I'm trying to say is, if you look at the FIFA rankings, can, I don't know if you guys have it in front of you. I doubt you do. Imagine, can you guess? Okay, so for a for a range to give you an idea of what's happening here, the number one ranked team by FIFA is Brazil. Yeah, which which is I would say fair. Obviously, there's 32 teams in this tournament. The lowest ranked team is Ghana at 61. So that's kind of your range. So Brazil won, Ghana 61. Where do you think Iran is in that spectrum? 26. Uh, 23. James is actually really close. It's, they're ranked 20. So fine. Okay. I mean, there's 32 teams in the tournament. It's conceivable that there's 12 worst teams in Iran. Like we don't see them play all the that time, all the time, and you know there's a lot of players that play in European leagues and whatever. If the 20th ranked team just got pumped six two by England, who's the fifth ranked team? What's going to happen when Belgium, the second place, the second ranked team, plays Canada, who's the 41st ranked team according to FIFA? 41. By that logic, Iran is twice as good as Canada. But, yeah, but I don't think they are. Well, I, no, think, that's, I think that's Dustin's point, is that huh. the FIFA rankings are such a sham that it's like there's no way in hell that Iran is 20 spots better than Canada. Yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, every article that I've been reading up on to educate myself on the game before Wednesday is that, or sorry, match. The match before Wednesday <laughs> um, is that this is game's going to be a lot closer than most people think. Well, there's no and Lukaku think, for Belgium, right? Like he's he's out. Right. It's not even like a game time decision. He's just not playing. Yeah. So I think, you know, do I think Canada is going to win? No. Um, do I think it could end three one, two one, possibly? Do I'm I think putting money on a draw? It's do it's I, it's a four hundred plus four hundred for a draw. Do I think which is decent odds for Canada if you think about it? Like that's that's nice. Uh, that's what you want to see. Um, is it possible Canada wins one nil on a penalty late? Maybe, but that's I you know that that's how they win. I you know I don't think they win three nil. I think if they can keep it nil nil, they'd be happy. And if they hope for a penalty late in the game i mean that could be a cinderella upset but like that that's the only way i see them pulling one out um, well canada also plays a very different style than most of these countries generally face right like most of these countries like belgium and england and all of them they play the brazils the spains the italy's the you know argentina's where it's all about ball possession and slowly progressively move up where John Herdman has no time for that shit. It's He's very all about aggressive. pace, all about attack, all about, you know, so that could be, I think it would be one of those things where you, if Canada does score, it'll be early, just until Belgium has time to probably settle in and get used to how the game would be played. Unless Belgium just says, comes out and says, you know what, we're just going to push right away, kind of do the same thing, then it might be different. But, you know, Canada's all about, a quicker pace and you know a more aggressive attack than most of these countries so i mean <clears throat> could canada finish second in the group i mean i think it's possible 
I think they can. I really do think they can do it. Like, obviously, it's going to be an uphill battle. Like, Belgium is the slam dunk contender for that group. I don't think anyone well, on this planet. A, they're like a top four favorite to win it. Right. Like, I don't think anyone is suggesting that Belgium's not going to win the group. But between Morocco, Croatia, and Canada, I think they have a striking chance to do it. Like, I... Like, Mujerk's old. I mean, they beat, they beat better teams than Croatia in CONCACAF multiple yes. times. No, they did. Mexico is a better team than Croatia. Mexico, yes, they'd be a better team. And they beat um, Mexico in Mexico. Uh, right? Having, like, while having bags of piss thrown at them. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Yeah, am I making that up? I, I could have sworn they beat Mexico in Mexico. So it, it doesn't matter. In the Azteca. Yeah, they, yeah, whether they, they beat them, them or they tied them or whatever the case, like they there was that stretch of time where Canada didn't lose. Well, they don't like I said, they dummied the Americans during Concacaf qualifying for World Cup. Also like, rated higher than Croatia. Yeah, like I don't know, like <clears throat> I I do see Canada getting past Croatia, Poland. Yeah, probably. Like I, I, there's a path for them to finish second. If they tie Belgium, then it's wide open for them to finish second. Um, yeah. Speaking of like Americans, you know what I hate? You, I, I hate this shit. The one of the Americans had like a sign under his jersey that said, "It's called soccer." So like he lifted <laughs> his jersey and it said, "It's called soccer." I was like, so I was like, buddy, you know, like ninety five percent of the sporting world that participates in the sport calls it football. It's really yeah. only North Americans that call it soccer. And it existed way before you, pal. <laughs> yeah. Like, this existed before the U.S. was even a tear in the eye of revolting English people, right? Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I just shit like that bothers me. I and I think that's why like the Americans as a whole get such a bad rap on the world stage for sport, especially one in soccer. idiot because they're they're always represented by one idiot, and it's unfair. Yeah, but like it's, but it's one idiot that's so idiot like you can't be more idiot than that guy and then that guy becomes the poster boy for all of them at, at an event right like it always happens it's it's just one person shooting their mouth off or saying something like ridiculously dumb or doing something ridiculously dumb and then that's then that's why they're the enemy for x event yeah. right are you so are you getting up for the games in Canada that are going to be eventually probably at like four in the morning. So actually, no, I don't think any of them are. No, I think I've, the earliest is seven, right? And it's like next Wednesday because they so, play two o'clock to, on Wednesday. If you mean like Canada games? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So the way the schedule is like every every day is like five o'clock, eight o'clock, 11 o'clock, and then two o'clock. I don't think there's so the first game Canada, Belgium is a two o'clock start. Yep. And then the Croatia game on Sunday is an 11 o'clock start. And, and then, then it said the they play Morocco, Morocco at 10 a.m. on Thursday, December Is 1st. a 10 a.m. one because that's when it gets down to the end of the groups and they have to have all the teams like playing at the same time so they don't like scoreboard watch. So, yo, we kind of lucked out with the scheduling. With Canada so the, being where yeah. they are on the stage, we got the good times. They never got a single 5 a.m. draw, which is interesting, actually. Now, now I'm curious. Like, who did get 5 a.m. draws? So, Argentina. Argentina, Saudi Arabia got 5 a.m. But like for Saudi Arabia, it's not that big of a deal because they're in generally the same part of the world. Mm-hmm. Argentina, that sucks. <laughs> that's Croatia. Like, Croatia that's, got 5 a.m. 
for Argentina, that yeah, they did. They're like probably West Coast time, right? So they're that's probably like, <laughs> like oh, yeah, two true. in the morning for them, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's even worse. That was like Us. the year I got really into rugby, and it's Canada did really well, and I was it was like in between semesters in university, um, and I just stayed up really late and got really into rugby, and then it was like like watching rugby and fuck, games were at like. 4.30 in the morning, 3.30 in the morning, and it's... You gotta feel bad for fans, especially nations like Argentina, who are, like, massive soccer fans and gonna have to be 2 o'clock in the morning. Costa Rica got I guess you just gotta too. hope that they got to Qatar early enough to acclimate to the time. Mm. And now it doesn't matter. It's like they're playing a, a 12 o'clock in the afternoon game, right? Yeah. yeah. Sorry, what'd you say, Jim? I said Costa Rica has a 5 a.m. as well. Yeah, that's rough. But then the question is, do you really want to spend more time in Qatar than you have to? Right. Like, now, how many teams are you like, hey, if we get eliminated, that's really not too bad because then we get the fuck out of here as quickly as possible. But there was pictures, and I think I sent you the pictures uh, last week, Maddie. Of I don't know if I sent it to you specifically or oh, yeah. you just wanted to respond to it. But it was like a private island that the U.S. players were on. Mm -hmm. Like that looked dope. So mm -hmm. maybe I've like we're thinking or I should say we. I am thinking of the treatment of the fans and how and or the story with Christian Jack and how it hasn't exactly been roses and uh, lollipops going over to Qatar and hanging out. But it seems like for the players, they're um, they're being treated well. Which you would expect of players, yes. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, you would hope, but who knows, man? Like, I, I just think some something else is going to happen. Like, like you the think... beer thing was just one thing. I feel like there's going to be another story that there's going to be documentaries. Oh yeah, about this tournament. But didn't you say something? It's like equating it to Firefest for fans. Yeah. So some of the I don't know what the right word is. Some of the, like, how do I, it, the lodging. Yes, some of the lodging for fans has uh, been less than desirable. We'll say. And can you imagine it's like you're it, like you go to Qatar where at night it's coldest is like 42 degrees, like with humidity and you're in a spot that has like no fans, no air conditioning. And you just got to sit there and sleep in your own dirty, filthy sweat. <laughs> it's disgusting. Like I have the air conditioner on now and it's winter. Yeah, I have this little office desk fan that sits on my nightstand, just blows cold air in my face, even though it's like, yeah, it's snowed. Right. right. And it's, could you imagine like countries like us, like the Canadians that are going there that played games in minus 15 degrees and jumping in snow to celebrate goals? And then they're like, hey, guess what? You get to go play in literally 50 plus degree weather in Qatar. In a lot of ways, that's what helped Canada <clears throat> earn a spot in the world cup was playing some of those games in Edmonton. Like remember those, those moments of the guys the jumping snow game, in the yeah. snow pile, right? <laughs> After scoring a goal, like this is, Get that was good. to their advantage. Yeah. And that was going to be to their disadvantage, right? Yeah. But the good thing is, is like a lot of these guys play in European leagues and things like that. Like, you know, that they're kind of used to it, but it's going to be the guys that are play mostly MLS and really at home that are going to be like Osorio is going to have, probably have the roughest time because he's not going to be used to that kind of weather playing in that kind of weather, right? So, oh, nice. T Tavares just scored. Well, speaking of 
hometown guys. One hometown, well, <laughs> hometown teams, we'll say. <laughs> Speaking of <laughs> hometown teams, uh, the Toronto Blue Jays made a bit of a splash this past week where they traded away Teoscar Hernandez to the Seattle Mariners in exchange for a reliever who I've already forgotten his name. Eric Swanson. But, <laughs> sure. Uh, but what essentially what it does, it does a couple things. One, yes, it provides back-end help for the Blue Jays. And back into the bullpen, I mean, for the Blue Jays, something that they were desperately lacking for some time. And also, it opens up an option in the outfield. Now, this is kind of where I was going with the conversation. So, it's no secret that the Blue Jays have been badly needing a left bat in this lineup. Now, as a left-handed person, I am fully aware that the only place that a left-handed batter ends up is either in the outfield or at first base or as a DH. So I bat left and throw right. Left bat the and, yeah, I bat left and throw okay, right. Fine. Le- yeah, okay. I should rephrase that. I, I bat left. I also throw left. So a left throwing person. So a, a typical <laughs> southpaw person. <laughs> if you're not a, yeah, if you're not a pitcher already, which you should be, um, you're only, you're going to end up in the outfield. You're going to end up at first base. And typically, if you throw left, you bat left. But yes, there are plenty of people who throw right who bat left. Anyways. The easiest way to get a left-handed bat in your lineup is in the outfield or first base. No one's replacing Vladimir Guerrero at first base. The DH, they seem to enjoy having that, like, re- that rotational DH, especially because George Springer is, you know, made up of band-aids and shoelaces at this point. So they're going to need to utilize that spot a lot for a rest day, if you will. So trading Hernandez, you get an option in the outfield. So here's the question. Here's your three options. And this has been coming up a lot. So when the trade first happened, I immediately said, oh, Andrew Benintendi, great. That's the guy they're, they're going after. But then everyone else is saying, oh, no, it's going to be Brandon Nimmo. Brandon Nimmo is going to be the guy. He's way better than Benintendi. Like, I'm looking at the advanced stats, and they're like, a point two war difference between the two fucking players. Like they're the exact same player. But everyone seems to have like the raging hard on for Brandon Nimmo. I honestly I have no idea who that guy was until I saw free agent list. <laughs> My point exactly. Like people are looking at Nimmo and like, oh wow, he's an outfielder who bats left. Sign him up. Well, they're like, probably that's exactly like what the Blue Jays need. We're gonna start planning the parade because the Jays are gonna go after Brandon Nimmo. What, what, what? Finding Nemo? <laughs> what, what are we talking about? He's a career 269 hitter. This is not going to help the team like significantly. Like If Brandon Nemo came into the Blue Jays right now, he'd be the seventh hitter on this lineup. Well, you're like, literally what, what, replacing Teoscar's numbers with someone on the left side. That's it. If not, a little worse. Well, it's definitely worse. Like His power numbers aren't even close. Yeah. Now... Batting average might be a little better. Like he probably doesn't strike out as much as Teoscar, but anyways. But then all of a sudden the Dodgers just didn't offer Cody Bellinger a contract. And that's where things get interesting now. So when and now I've over the past couple of days on Twitter, now I know Twitter is a dying bird, right? Like that thing is kind of it's not even flapping its wings anymore, it's just kind of gliding. Like <laughs> it, it's it, the ship's going down. So, of course, we've all now signed up for Hive. <laughs> yeah. Maybe apparently, changed, changed apparently I had Hive 
a long time ago because it said like sign in and I just hit sign in and it signed me in and I had an account. And I think this is something that the one of our mutual friends who posted about it earlier today, I think he like he just finds all these social media platforms and signs up for them. Also, he can get his username in the happenstance that they become <laughs> useful. Oh, I did the so, same thing. I, I did the same thing with Periscope. I did the same thing with Vero. Tout. Remember Tout? Do you remember Vero? I didn't have that one actually. Vero was the one that's been like promoted by Zack Snyder, where he okay. like, yeah, it was supposed to be like the Facebook alternative, where like aesthetically it looks really cool. It was like green and blackish. It was really cool, but um, yeah. So hi. Anyway, continue. I also signed up for Mastodon too. I don't know if that one's going to take off too, but. I got my username on that one too. Um, but yes, floating around on Twitter today, a bunch of people were talking about like, Jays have come to terms with a two-year contract for Cody Ballinger. Now, I don't believe it. Like, this hasn't been actually officially released by the Toronto Blue Jays. It hasn't come out from any uh, reputable reporter. I was going to say, all I heard is that they reached out to his Tim. Right, yeah, yeah. So again, there was no reputable source. The only guy who's like quasi-reputable I don't remember his name, but he was the guy who broke the John Schneider deal. Like, he knew the exact uh, money and term for Schneider, like the day before it happened. So, if by the time this podcast comes out and all of a sudden Cody Bellinger is a Blue Jay, I'll believe this guy a bit more than I ever did. But supposedly, the Jays have come to terms. <laughs> supposedly, according to this like person on Twitter who has like four followers, um, the Jays are very much in on Cody Bellinger. So I guess my question to you is, Brandon Nimmo or Cody Bellinger? If it was up to you, and so, you were the one constructing this team. Yeah. So first of all, I just want to say, I think we should switch my name to Nostradamus. Because I called oh, Nazem Kadri to the Flames. And I said on this podcast, not many, not, not many weeks ago, that Teoscar Hernandez would be the one to go from this roster. And he was. Um, listen, people are complaining. Like the one thing I got, I got to lay into some Jays fans a little bit here because, like, they're starting to annoy the shit out of me. I've heard. I, I read what the comments are, and they go, "They should have traded Guriel." The fuck you mean they should have traded Guriel? Like, do you not understand? There's two teams in a trade. Like, how do you know? How do you know they weren't like, "Would you like Guriel?" And they were like, "Fuck off!" Like, you can't. You can't. Be, it's not forced trade, like in NHL. Like, you can't. You can't do that. So I, it just it bothers the shit out of me. Like, they should have just traded this guy instead. Like, that's not how it works. Um, second thing is, you guys, like, you don't understand. Like, Teoscar has only one year of control left, and he's going to be expensive for what he provides. He's For what he provides, another team will pay for it because they need that. The Jays don't need what he provides at that price. So well, especially with the defensive laps, like the right. mental defensive laps, where it just looks like he or, just doesn't care, or he can't he can't run he can't run a double, right? Like he can't for some reason. So, um, and Eric Swanson, like I know you're saying you don't know his name. The dude had like a 184 ERA in 57 appearances last year, and is legitimate is a legitimate heater in the back of the pen, which is what the Jays. Oh no, 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 So, so the point I'm making is, no one knows who the fuck relievers are unless they're on your team. Yeah. So. But, it's changing. It's changing, though. Sure. Is he going to be a good reliever? I don't know. Did he have good numbers last year? Absolutely. Am I excited about the fact that he has a, a decent fastball? Yes. And it's, three years. It's something and, you have been clamoring for forever. And three years of control. Sure. Yeah, that's the other thing, too. Like, cost certainty when you're going into having to pay Vladdy and Bo. 
Yeah. I mean, that's... Exactly, right? And, and Bellinger's the one thing, like... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you no, go. No, no. no, I'm going to move on to Bellinger. See, so you go. I was going to move on to Bellinger, too. <laughs> I was going to just say, for a guy who's kind of had a bit of a down couple years, what better place would it be for him to revive his offensive numbers than Skydome? Yeah, right? I was like, going to Yeah. I was going to say the guy's a project now because I think he needs a little bit of a uh, a tire pumping. But you look at, I mean, is it for like Brandon, Brandon Drury just won, what did he win? <laughs> like a, a, a slugger award or some shit? He won a silver slugger, I believe, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, you know, he's a, he's a Jays cat. So like guys can revive their careers and there's nothing to say that Bellinger isn't going to be I mean, it make, it actually makes a lot of sense when you think about the moves they've made, like designating Tapia. You know, do you really want to go into an outfield that's Guriel, Springer, Merrifield? Like, I think I think the idea that Bellinger would come here is is possibly an underlying thing that like they already knew when they were making these deals. So I don't know. I think the dude was lights out what two years ago, right? Like he was incredible. So well, for Dodgers, Cody Bellinger, a couple of those Dodgers runs, he's was unreal. His rookie year, he was 21 years old. He won rookie of the year. He was an all-star. He was ninth in MVP voting. He hit 39 home runs and 97 RBI. His batting average was 267. wasn't great, but his on base was 352. So like he was, he was walking. He was obviously smashing the ball over the wall, which was great. He played a full season the next year. His numbers took a bit of a dip, 25 home runs, 76 RBI. The year after that, that's the big one. This is 2019. He was 23 years old. He hit 47 home runs, 115 RBI, stole 15 bases, averaged a 305. He was an all-star, a gold glove, a silver slugger, an MVP. Now, 2020 then happened, and it was 2020. You know, like he wanted, he played, he played 56 games. Now he did win a world series. (laughs) So there was that benefit of COVID, but like he, he played 56 games. You can't judge anyone in baseball under a hundred at bats. So I throw that away in 2021, 95 games. Okay. That's a bit better sample size. Uh, He hit 165. Not great. Uh, 10 home runs, 36 RBI. Well, that's below the Mendoza line, right? Uh, yeah, that's horrendous. But again, 95 games, it's half a season, but your average is your average. So like, it's probably yeah. still going to be a bad average. And then last year, uh, still not great. 19 home runs, 68 RBIs, hit 210. Um, so, this is, so this is the thing. Like, Who are you getting? But wait. If you sign this guy, are you getting the 210 average plus 165 is uh, 375? 375 divided by two. So, someone do that for me. Is he not is good, he, right? Would you would you consider Cody Bellinger a defensive liability? God no. Okay, he's so here's really the thing. So hear me player. out. Right. So hear me out. He's going to, if he comes to the Jays, he's going to center field. And they're gonna move Springer to right. Yes. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And so that's what I mean. Like pl- the, Yeah. They they probably platoon and then the reason why they got rid of Tapia and Zimmer and all of those guys is probably because what's his name is probably gonna be on the bench. Uh Gabriel Martinez is probably going to be on the bench for the Jays next Gabe year. Oh, Martinez. Or Alvis, you mean Orelvis Martinez. <laughs> no, there's Gabriel Martinez. Well, Mar- well Orelvis Martinez. Mar- 
Ralvis Martinez is like a shortstop third base. Yes, He's, I know. Yeah, so I don't think they'd put him in the field. But no, well, I, just, I don't know who they could platoon. I've looked this they guy up. Platoon, I know who that guy was. They could platoon Whit Merrifield into the outfield too. Right, they could do that. I think like I, I do think Bellinger probably ends up your center fielder. Springer is your right or left fielder, depending. And then you have again the thing is is too with Bellinger is if he gives you close to numbers that Teoscar had in terms of power and he hits decent average, like 230, 240, you don't really give a shit. Because if he's better defensively in the field, you're already coming out ahead. Especially on a team like that, he'll probably have more bat protection too in a, in a hitter's park. Not like LA. LA's not a hitter's park. So I just think there's a lot more, I guess, mitigating factors to that he would benefit to try to take his best year, so his 305 average, and then you compare it to his last year, so 210 average, it's 512, divide that by two. Oh, I hit the wrong button. Eh, eh, 512, divided by, did I say 512? Yeah, whatever, divided by two. A 256 average. So yeah. if you get him and he hits you 250. Like if he gets but, you, if he gets you like 25, 30 home runs and, you know, what, like 75, RB, 80, 100 RBIs and... He bats like gets on base and hits like a 256, 260. You're not complaining for what That's a, it, if you look at it comparative to Tay Oscar, is it an upgrade? No. But if you compare defensively what, it is. Sure, yes. Oh, absolutely. But if you compare his bat to what you were getting out of Zimmer and Tapia, it's not even a question. But I think I think you're so, comparing a one to one to to Teoscar. I think. Well, that's what I'm trying think, to explain. Like, I'm, like it, you, it shouldn't be one to one to Teoscar. No, it's the ripple effect it creates throughout the lineup. Like if you shift exactly. Springer to right and Cody sits in center, if if that's the real thing, right? And it's another left-handed bat in the lineup. The batters are getting different looks. People start to outperform a little more because the lineup is a little bit more different than just a bunch of righties, right? And if Bellinger returns to form, and if he gets you 20, 25 home runs, we don't need 47, he gets you 20, 25, plays a solid D, gets on base, you know, that's, I think the lineup is improved just by the ripple effects that it creates throughout the rest of the lineup. It just, it puts guys in better positions around them, like in terms of the lineup, guys are, are more slotted to where they should be similar to hockey where it's, you know, you don't have a third liner playing on the second line. You have guys playing where they're best suited to succeed. Yeah. So I'm not like, I think, I think they're set up. I honestly think they're going to, I don't think, I don't think it means they're not going to spend as people. Oh, they're not going to spend because they don't want to pay tail. They don't want to pay tail for what he provides. They're going to spend their money better. They're going to spend their money in a great like you th- if you don't think this team is prepared to spend money like they're prepared to spend but it has to be for the right thing oh. like yeah yeah rogers needs to buy the good credit after their outage for two <laughs> days but yeah it's there's definitely a better use for their money and actually a, a very good use for your money is our sponsor because this episode is brought to you by now your treasures now your treasures are purveyors of licensed fine art prints for movies comics tv and video games sourced from galleries in the US and UK, which include artists from all over the world. Visit now your treasures on Instagram and send a DM 43.6 to receive 43% off any order. All orders are shipped with tracking and complimentary insurance. 
View the entire ever-expanding inventory at nowyourtreasures.ca or .com. That's N-O-W-Y-O-U-R-T-R-E-A-S-U-R-E-S.ca or .com, whatever you prefer. And also, go to Now Your Treasures on Instagram, send them a DM, 43.6, to receive 43% off your next order. Now, the next order of business for us is going to be the NFL. Because there was a big week 11, and there's some things that we need to talk about coming out of week 11. Now, I'll be honest, I've already mentioned this on the show, that I spent a lot of time in the world of professional wrestling this weekend. So I didn't get to, if it was up to me entirely, I would not move from the couch from noon until midnight and just watch nothing but football. If it was entirely up to me, but sometimes I have to work on the weekends, but that doesn't mean I did not follow on my phone every moment that I could just kept refreshing scores to make sure Lamar Jackson scored a touchdown, which he barely ever did. But nevertheless, the Ravens did end up winning that game, and I am very okay with that because the Ravens are still in first place in their division. But you know who is in last place in their division now, James? Maddie, are you aware <laughs> who's now in last place in their division? Yeah. Yeah. It's the New York uh. Jets. The Jets played the Patriots for what was essentially a massive game in this division. Now, I know massive there's still game. lots of time, and there's a lot of those teams are very close no, right now. No, you're right. You're right. It's a, you know what? It wasn't maybe not a massive game for the division. Really big game for the Jets. Like they had a chance to bury the Patriots here. Yep. And they let the Patriots back into this division. Um, you've seen it. You've seen the memes all over the internet over the past couple of days. I sent a couple of them to James because it's funny. Like this jet taking off and the busting into flames and crash landing. Matthew squared, by the way. And then there was. There was someone who had like a tape measure held out to like this far. It was like, this is how far the Jets made it in the second half. And if you can't tell, this is a very uh, short tape measure I have in front of me. Nevertheless, I shouldn't be able to show you on a tape measure how many yards a professional football team did in the second half. Um, Is there concern with Zach Wilson? I'm still bullish on Zach Wilson. I think the guy like... Listen, look at he's he's played maybe was it nine professional games total or like ten, like he it's it's takes time. I'm gonna we've talked about this a little bit. We are very all the great quarterbacks had simmering time, and for some reason, somewhere or other, we we assumed now that quarterbacks need to step in and take over teams and leagues and think it. They're the second coming of Jesus. But Brady sat behind Bledsoe. Rogers sat behind Favre. Like, Mahomes sat behind Smith. Like, these guys, like you said, Lamar sat behind... Alex Smith, by the way. Um, <laughs> Lamar sat behind Flacco. Like, I think he did for a season, right? Like, these guys... Lamar definitely did, yes. For at yeah, least one season. These guys get time. If, if Even if only for a season. Um... Wilson's been hurt twice. He um, hasn't had the same kind of veteran leadership to sit behind. Um, And if you look at the other quarterbacks that are, I mean, outside of Justin Fields, who's kind of like a freak of nature in the last couple weeks, I mean, you can't really say any of them are, are changing the game or fortunes of their team. So... I don't. The one that I always look to compare Wilson to is Daniel Jones. 
And I don't think Daniel Jones is like grabbing the Giants by its ass and pulling them to victories, right? Like they're winning those games not because of Daniel Jones. No, and I think you look at the Jets, like and even you look at the matched up against the Pats. I think for for that, it's just like that game really. It was three three going into the last little bit of the fourth. Like it was an atrocious game on all sides. And you look at the 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 offense. The offense was abysmal. I I mean Robert Sala called them dog shit. Um, <laughs> And, and they were dog shit. Um, but you look up and down the roster of the Jets offense and you think, okay, Garrett Wilson, I, I, don't, I don't know, I didn't watch a lot of the game yesterday, Corey Davis, Denzel Mims, um, Elijah Moore, you know, Brees Hall's hurt, James Robinson, Michael Carter. Okay, solid. Tell me who's on the Pats offense. Ramondre Stevenson? Right, like, like Jaco, whoever, like these guys are, are jabronis. Like they're, you know what I mean. And it's not for the lack. And so it does naturally. The conversation goes back to Zach, and you know, but I'm still bullish on Zach. I think, I think there's time. His, his, he's making less dumb mistakes than he did last year. But at some point, we were listening to the the clip of Stephen A. Smith before the show started calling him out for not being accountable to his team. And Smith is right. You can't sit there and say, you didn't let your defense down. Like you need to, as a, as a quarterback and the leader of that team on games like that, you've got to step up and say, I didn't do my job. Regardless if you feel like you did or not, even if they were, even if the game was 17 to 10, I didn't do my job. That's the first thing you got to say. Like That's you got to take really the, say, and people will be like, all right, cool. Right. And then they move on. Right, so that's what I'm more concerned about. I'm more concerned about where his head is at than what the what his skills can provide the team. And I think he needs somebody to step in there. And that's the goes back to the veteran leadership piece. Someone to step well, in there and okay. say. So that being said, could you envision a world? Nope. And I, I'm I'm like <laughs> I'm liking this the more I think about it. Next season, we see a new starting quarterback for the New York Jets, and it's one Aaron Rodgers. No. I think I saw somebody I forget who it was was saying the perfect place for Aaron Rodgers is Seattle. Is Oakland? Oh, Seattle. Okay, sure. <laughs> they have they have two first round picks in round one, two picks in round two, two picks in round three from the rust trade. You can you can put together a package for Aaron Rodgers real easy and not give anything up in your draft if you're yeah. Seattle. And, and I forget, say, I forget who said that, and and the credit was so. Apologies, whoever they gave you, you're way more famous than me. But if you hear this, that's that makes sense to me because Seattle has an all star running back now in Kenneth Walker, sure. right? So I mean, arguably, Green Bay has an all star running back and, right now. They just never use them. And DK Metcalf though is a as a threat. Oh no! Like so. Wide receiver-wise, yes, there's far more weapons on the Seahawks than uh, Green Bay has had at any point this year combined but times 10. the Aaron Rodgers thread that you mentioned, though, is that Zach Wilson is, like, with Aaron Rodgers. Like, Aaron Rodgers was his idol, and Aaron Rodgers has mentored Zach in the offseason in, in practices. I, mm-hmm. I don't know. And imagine, also imagine this. Well, maybe not Aaron Rodgers. Maybe if Tom Brady were to go there, I could totally see him and Zach Wilson just going out in town to every Cougar bar and just <laughs> picking up all the 45-something-year-olds, you know? 
the yeah. North Hunter Chronicles. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, it's it was a rough go for for Jets fandom this weekend. It was it was pretty oh. abysmal and pretty sad. But I think it goes back to also how good is Brees Hall, <laughs> right? Like like James Robinson. Okay, I, I, for all intents and purposes, is a professional running back, and at some point yesterday they should have ran the damn like, like ran the damn, but they couldn't. I know we probably shouldn't go too much more on this game, but what I will say is that I think both these teams, the Jets and the Patriots, have probably the two most underrated defenses in the entire NFL. Agreed. So when you look at that scoreline, and yeah, it was it was ugly, but to be fair we probably shouldn't have expected a high scoring game here. Like this, these are two of the best defenses in the NFL who are just going at it. So yeah. let's also put a caveat on that. I know everyone wants to say like, Oh no, the ship is sinking here with the jets. I don't think it is. And this has come from the guy who really likes to make fun of the jets. <laughs> I think anyone running into the Patriots right now are going to get a rude awakening of just how good that defense is. Yeah. Same with the jets. So like I think the bears, my- I think the bears are in for a, a real, like Justin Fields is in for a real world. Of, like Quinn and Williams is not going to stop until he pounds Justin Fields into the dirt. So yeah, take the under on Justin Fields rushing yards this week. Yes. So my question was Zach Wilson. I know like you guys don't want to like belabor this topic too much, but the comments on this game, is he this one game or is he the past four weeks, five weeks that he's played? Right. Like, and I know it's the old adage. It's like, you build a thousand bridges, never be known as a bridge builder. Eat one pile of shit, forever be known as a shit eater. And but that's the thing is he's been consistently over, except for this week, pretty good and shown a lot of growth and a lot of potential and a lot of cause for thinking that he can be the man, hold the mantle of the next, you know, quarterback for the Jets to hopefully lead them further down. And it's just one really really bad week and people are already soured on him and it's just i don't know it's confusing yeah and i think that's what i was trying to say right is like we in the nfl the guys have one bad game and they're like that's it call it it like find the next guy and it takes time and it's a very it's a it's a vicious league i think the problem with him is that he relies on the run a lot right now his quarterback rating is atrocious um he just needs to figure out how to use his receivers better um and that comes with time and i think once garrett wilson grows and uh i think like i said i don't know if Corey davis is even back but he's a better like cross midfield throw you can start to spread the field out a bit but we'll see and i think that's why we miss Brees because he was a good runner well speaking of a team that also is uh is shit and the season's over and they suck is the minnesota vikings where <laughs> this is again one bad game, but oh boy, was it a bad game! Very losing bad. to the Cowboys forty to three. Yeah, is is not a good look for a team that I pegged to win the Super Bowl for a team that was eight and one going into this game. Like they were the top of the NFL. But that and that's what I'm saying, right? Like, would you rather be the Jets and lose ten to three to the Pats? Or lose forty two to whatever? What was it? Forty two to it's forty, 40 sorry, forty two three. So forty, 40 for to the three. Cowboys Dash are three. three. Yeah. I think I take the that other game all day. Yeah. You know I what agree. I mean? <laughs> I'd rather I, not get blown out at home. <laughs> yeah. And do you think the like, you think the Cowboys took the loss to the Packers personally? 
Right? Maybe. I mean, Dak went, what, full fantasy nut bar in that game? Uh, like, not even Dak. Who went fantasy nut bar was Tony Pollard. This, that's an interesting player to me, where Tony has always been, not just the always, but like for as long as I can remember, Tony Pollard has been the understudy to Ezekiel Elliott. And Elliott's been given every opportunity to be the yeah, starting get running back until he got hurt. But, I mean, both of them scored two touchdowns in this game. So it's a but, good double two-headed uh, sword to have, I guess, unless the right for analogy two or not. Years, for two years, Pollard has been the gap filler every time Elliott's gone down, and he's been fantastic to the point where yeah. people have questioned whether Ezekiel Elliott should even be on that team anymore. Right? I agree. Like, oh, people are saying, like, believe the Pollard's the guy, Ryan Pollard. And there are teams that would take Elliott in a heartbeat, um, and they probably could have parlayed that into something. The problem is the Cowboys, they're very good at everything. A great, great secondary. Sorry? But they're not great at one. Except, except for the secondary, and that's where yeah. they excel. Like Micah Parsons and Trayvon Diggs are just chef's guess. But, you know, I don't know. I feel I feel it looked like they took the Green Bay game personally. I, I think part of the reason why Elliot is still there is that him and Dak Prescott are like the best of friends. And maybe it's not worth splitting that up, even though you think Tony Pollard is better. It's not like Elliot's bad, right? Like it, it's not necessarily a problem to have both of them. It's a good problem to have, I suppose. Yeah, he's just not the Ezekiel yeah. Elliott of three years ago. No, yeah, he's getting older too, right? And for running back, like we've always said, is that's you know two years is like five or six for any other position, right? So, well, I don't know if age is the issue. Although you're right, like running backs are have a very short window of like an NFL career. I think it's the mileage. Yeah. Where like he's just been really banged up. Like Tony Pollard's only a couple years younger than him, but I feel like over the span of both their NFL careers, Elliott has been significantly more beat up than Tony Pollard has. So yeah, it's it's younger legs, it's fresher legs, it's a di- it's a completely different kind of back too, right? Like it's it's a power yeah. back versus a more agile back. And maybe this the agile back of Pollard works better in this Cowboys offense even though it's not necessarily designed that way. I don't know. Uh, but the Cowboys, if healthy, are a scary-looking team. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, the whole Super Bowl this year, I think, more than any other year now, especially with the Vikings getting beat down, is, is entirely up for grabs. I don't think... Yeah. I mean, you look at the, the NFC South. Like, what a fucking atrocious division. Like, the the Bucks are going to walk out of the division with a losing record. Like, we, we uh, two weeks ago, we thought it was the Falcons because they were the best of the worst and now it's the bucks again like it's the the people say you know i mean up until this weekend people were saying green green bay still had a chance at, at the playoffs so like uh, and i don't the bills look beatable right and no one thought right. the bills were beatable the bills look beatable mahomes all sudden mvp again not that he ever wasn't out of the conversation but now he's a world beater again like yeah. compared to last year so like and and they went to the they went to the super bowl yeah, they went last year and they lost to. Yeah, they but, lost to the uh, the Rams. But I don't think I don't think anyone was talking about how good of a season Mahomes was having last year compared to this year. Like, I think the conversation is much bigger around, and I think maybe because Tyreek Hill's not there anymore, so they're like his contributions are a lot more noticeable. But 
Yeah, I, I think the Super Bowl, like, it's literally a crapshoot. There's so many, like, San Fran make the playoffs. Are they going to be? I mean, they're down. They were down 3 nothing to the Cardinals, but, um, yeah, well, I don't know. You know what's, you know what's not a crapshoot is uh, trusting in us and our wisdom. Because if you had listened to us last week when we said our locked-in pick, so my locked-in pick was the Ravens over the Panthers, that paid. James said, his lock-in pick was the Eagles over the Colts, and that paid. And then Maddie said his lock-in pick was the Commanders over the Texans, and that paid. That parlay would have gotten you probably ten cents because those were three <laughs> strong very favored matchups. But the concept of what we're doing here is kind of like a suicide pool, where every week we make one pick that we believe in, and we can't reuse the same team over again. Currently, the score: Maddie has eight, I have seven, and James has five correct guesses. Thus far this year, not bad percentages, honestly. Like James, is a little rough, but if you look at Maddie's eight for eleven, that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, on that note, though, when we're talking about this, is what I was gonna say, but I want to bring up here. I saw this guy on TikTok, and he at the beginning of the season, and I recognized him from the beginning of the season. He said, "Every single week, bet the dog. Doesn't matter. Every game, bet the underdog. Every single week, and through." 10 weeks or 11 weeks you'd be up like over a thousand something percent or something because just how much those dogs paid like you're not going to win every game but the amount of money you're accumulating by the dogs winning actually pays out net which is crazy right i don't know if it's the same thing but i've seen someone similar on tiktok do this where it's like it's like a word document or maybe it's an excel spreadsheet and it's every single game and he bets on the underdog i don't know how much money was five bucks ten bucks or whatever on every single game, he bets on the underdogs. And sure, the first week you lose, you know, 16 games times five, so whatever that is. And next one, you lose 16 times five. And next, But eventually, like, a couple of those pay, and then all of a sudden, you gain 300 bucks. And then you just need one to hit every week. But the problem is you need to bankroll it, right? Like, yeah. you have to be okay with the You have to be prepared to lose money. So yeah. It's 80 bucks a week, right? Right. Yes. You did the math better than I could. Yes. Yeah, so it'd be $80 a week. So 80 times what, 18 weeks in the NFL, $1,400. So like, but if yeah. you're okay with spending, like if you say, okay, at the beginning of the season, I'm putting $1,440 into my, you know, whatever service that you use. And you're probably going to attempt gonna this this year. Quadruple it. The math says you would probably quadruple it or five times it by the end of the season. You would also have to think that on average, it's not going to be just one dog that's going to win per week it's going to be right. potentially two or three yeah yeah you're gonna have big weeks that that fund other weeks but you're gonna net big right so i just want to bring that up that i was i'm not recommending anyone do this i'm just saying like oh, i saw God the no. math <laughs> yeah not, and not it looks crazy you have, like the disposable income to do it. yeah like if you are okay with and again that was only five dollar bets right like if you had done you know ten dollar bets double that and it'll be you know twenty eight hundred dollars et cetera, et cetera, right? That's, and if you're really making money, then you're betting a hundred dollars, and all of a sudden it's, you know, twenty, like twenty eight thousand dollars. So it just be a complete degenerate and just be like, I don't have the money, but I'm still gonna bet it, <laughs> or, or that too. Yeah. Spend someone else's money if you have. Yeah, to. There you it go. doesn't matter. But for us, we just pick one team every week that we feel has a chance to win, and we can't use the same team twice. So we're getting down to it now. It's week twelve. We've used a lot of teams. 
but I was very happy to see when I looked down the list that the Houston Texans are playing the Miami Dolphins, the number one team in their division, the Miami Dolphins, might I add. So my pick, of course, is the Miami Dolphins over the Houston Texans. James, what about you? Your Ravens. I'm going with your Ravens. Which is dangerous because I never like to bet against Tony Khan, but... James is taking the Ravens, Ravens over our boy TK's Jacksonville Jaguars. Maddie, Seahawks over the Raiders. The Seattle Seahawks <laughs> probably the potential landing spot for Aaron Rodgers this coming offseason. We'll the Raiders are atrocious. I did also see someone hypothesize that the Raiders should make a swap with Green Bay for quarterbacks. It's like they should send Derek Carr there and bring back Aaron. I was like. I don't think that makes sense, and I didn't read I the article because I didn't I think it made that, sense. I don't know that Derek Carr is the problem in Las Vegas. So, well, I also don't know if Devontae Adams would be completely happy with that. That's what I mean. Right? I think, I think they'd be both. Her. I, I don't know what the fallout was between Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers, but I think both of them are better with each other. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because I mean, Rodgers is a much higher quality quarterback on average than Derek Carr, even this year. I would I would have to agree with that. Now, James, Maddie, we have to at least provide an update because we talked about this uh, this league throughout the year, and every so often a story would come up, and we would remind you that yes, the Canadian Football League is a thing, and it does in fact exist, and. Uh, supposedly they had a championship game of sorts over this past weekend and the Toronto boatmen ended up winning that championship and congratulations to the Toronto team from the Canadian football league. All right. So moving on. Every MLSE owned team has won a championship in the past seven years, except for the Leafs. I think it's past five years, actually. Or five years, even worse. That's embarrassing. Yeah. Um, here's yeah, the thing with this. Here's the 2017. Got, this is uh, yeah, 2017 TFC, and that would have been the, the oldest one. That was five years ago. Mm. The thing with the CFL is this game. I watched the highlights. Was probably the perfect game to showcase the CFL. And the problem, like it was incredibly exciting. Came down to a, a blocked field goal in the last play to win the Argos the championship um, in a raucous crowd in in Saskatchewan, where, where CFL is life. The league has so much potential. And I know, again, I know we've referenced this. They just market it and they, they so horrendously. It just looks second rate. And well, I was, I was going to say that. It was like, when you watch it, it's like, why does it feel like you're watching high school? Canadian University or Canadian high school football? Not even like America, because like American NCAA football looks like the NFL. Probably because right? Bell Media fired all their producers. <laughs> <laughs> but like, the CFL has such potential, and maybe next every year I say I'm going to make a concerted effort to pay attention. Maybe next year is the year, but like, it if every game was as exciting as the Great Cup, this league would be incredible. The Great Cup every year turns out to be this most incredible football game, and you know everyone talks about it for three or four weeks, and then nobody gives a shit. And then it's it's so sad because I think there's so much untapped potential, and like. Dude, Tom Brady, the real quote about him saying, I'd like to try the CFL. Like, that's a real quote. Um, like, so, and Chris Berman in the US loves the CFL. So, He's a like, big CFL guy. Like, people are aware. The NFL players are aware. I mean, they're aware because they need a place to work if they don't make it in the NFL. But, like, 
Nathan Rourke is going to get NFL tryouts because he was incredible. Like, it's not like they're this some hidden secret. They just, they zig when they should zag and they don't, and maybe it takes investment and there's not enough money to invest, but man, you just feel like there's something there. Well, I think that's the problem is financially there's not enough. Like, Saskatchewan, Winnipeg, and Ottawa. probably Calgary can't sustain that league. For, or not, not they can sustain it, but they can't grow the league off the backs of those three. Yeah, teams, Ottawa. Right? Ottawa does okay, and I think the BC Lions do all right. I think it's I'm tough. Sure and, the Owls do okay. You know what? It's 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 probably just Toronto because of the fact it's that only, there's, it's only Toronto that doesn't do a good crowd. Everyone because there's 46 done. teams here. Montreal yeah. has the hockey team, and that's it. And the MLS team, right? Vancouver, same thing, right? But there's no basketball or baseball. So football's right. next. I wonder, I wonder, it'd be like interesting kind of, I guess, studying it a little bit. I, I don't think it'd be too much required, but if, say, hypothetically, a basketball team went into Montreal or another basketball team went into Vancouver, do you think the BC Lions or the Owls would suffer? No. Yeah, I don't think so. Right. I think it's inherently just the way Toronto sports fans are. And I think it's That's also the snobby. way... I, it's a good, you know it's a good way to describe you know, it. But you I, know what, though? We pay attention if, if it's a Damon Allen at the helm or Ricky Ray or... No, I don't think or so. Or Doug no, Flory. No, yeah, we did. No, we used to go... We actually used to go to a lot of CFL games. And there were, people, the were, people showed up. That people showed Doug up for Flutie. Damon Allen. Yes, they did. And Doug Flutie. Yeah, and, and to lesser extent, Ricky Ray. But you know what? The, the city needs to fall in love with a player... On the Argos, not the team. Michael Clemens is a god here. That's true. I think Toronto always has been and always will be a major league sports city. So Ooh, until no, the Argos as are perceived as a major league team. The and Argos maybe are the 70s and 80s, man. What I'm saying is maybe the star player makes them perceived yeah. to be a major league team, and maybe that's where that is coming from but i think the cfl has a problem perception wise at least in toronto as not being equal to the nfl and therefore it doesn't get the support from the toronto sports fan i think it doesn't help being so close to buffalo i think buffalo being successful doesn't help um you know the the fact the bills are good draws away from the the argos um but i think every time attendance has been half decent for the Argos it's been associated with a premier name quarterback and now Damon Allen wasn't a premier name in the NFL but he had built such a strong career in the CFL and same with Ricky Ray running championships in Edmonton that you come here and and people have something to be excited about like I couldn't even tell you the quarterback for the Argos and they just won a fucking championship is it Bethel Thompson I don't even know yeah it was McLeod Bethel Thompson and actually he got hurt because he didn't finish the game I guessed so there you go um, and that's unfortunate, but you know, and the fact that ugh, I don't know, I'm not a big fan of powdered baby blue. I know you guys like the Jays baby blues. I'm not a fan. So I I think the blue on blue is kind of a cool look though. Like it's no, different because you go baby blue with something like Denver with yellow, or you'd go baby blue with, with the Jays on on a white or maybe even a red. But I miss the Argo see. with the shield, like the yeah that guy. Honestly, Instead I think just the, the Argos branding and colors, and I think it's the best thing about the team currently. <laughs> like, I actually <laughs> enjoy those. I think the jerseys look cool. Um, I think the, the new logo is cool. I just think there's something they're missing marketing-wise. 
I know there was a CFL game I went to this year, and I went on my phone to look up stats, and like no one was updating stats on the Score Mobile. I'm like, what the like? It's stuff like this where I need this information as a sports fan. Did you enjoy like, the game when you were at, there? Sure, of course. Yeah, yeah like I love, I, I like going to sporting events. Like it was a good time. Um, but it's and the product's not a bad product. There are massive hits, incredible plays, like athletic plays that you would never see in the NFL because of the three downs. And you know the field's field. bigger, wider, Longer. and it's just no, well, yeah, it's. I, they they just missed the mark. It's just a misfire. Well, I think I, I think when you have shit like the rouge, though, it confuses people, and they're just like, "What exactly. the fuck is a rouge?" Exactly. <laughs> and I was just gonna say that I think they get in their own way yeah. with the the three downs and the bigger field and putting the upright in the middle of the fucking end zone for some reason and the rouge. All these things I understand are done to be different. But different isn't necessarily good sometimes. Yeah, but you know like what? four four the, downs. The catch is brilliant. Four downs because the field's still bigger and the rouge, and you're fine. Like you just switch those, and I guarantee you the game would just open up. I agree. And look, there's a reason why everyone loves a pepperoni pizza. If all of a sudden you say, you know, what? we're going to change it, we're going to take out the sauce and put in barbecue sauce, and we're going to put the cheese from mozzarella to like gouda, like. I'd it's not it. pizza anymore, man. This is like some whack flatbread. It might be a good tasting flatbread. Whack flatbread. <laughs> it might be a, a good tasting flatbread. I know a lot of people love the barbecue sauce and the chicken on their pizza. That shit ain't pizza anymore. That's a flatbread. Stop it. Yeah. Are you Italian? Am I Italian? Yeah. Of course not. So why are you dictating what pizza is? <laughs> I think that uh, there's a reasonable... <laughs> order for pizza that is pizza yeah i see you what can't you're say saying. i'm gonna have cereal and put water instead of milk and still call the problem, it a the bowl problem of is, fucking cereal the problem is the heritage surrounding cfl that people want to protect and i get that but if you want what's more important the heritage or the survival of the league and i think and at some point potential growth right like yeah if they you, have to if they have to go to a hardcore cfl fan and say you could either have the same shit and risk losing it, or we can change it up and there's the potential that you'll still have what you have, but it could also become bigger. I also think some CFL fans probably don't want it to become big in for some reason. Like some of them probably like the, you know, eighteens, it's low gatekeeping. Key. Yeah. There's a there's a hint yeah. of gatekeeping. It reminds me of that of Metallica, where I think I was watching Metallica documentary and they're saying like Fans of Metallica, there was a certain subset of fans of Metallica originally that were like, Metallica was this little band that we fit in our wallet. And then they became too big for my wallet. And now I don't like this fucking thing anymore. And I think there would be that type of CFL fan too, where they like that it's this close-knit thing to them. But if it were to expand and get bigger, they wouldn't enjoy it as much as they did previously. I would like mm -hmm. to see a team out east. I yeah, think I would love to see a team out east for any sport. Yeah, it's like, just I think travel. the NHL should investigate... And, I don't. I mean, I, I think it's nonsense because it's one hour. The I NFL is going to fucking London, and they're playing in Mexico. Yeah, but that's on, one. Yeah, but that's one game a week, right? Like, if you if no, if you try to do a hockey team, like, dude, that'd be that's that's hard job. You're telling me if you have a team that's got to go from Chicago, play a game in Chicago, then fly out to the Maritimes, do a game there, then fly out back out west, like two days. That's tough. no, no but you wouldn't do ever a tour. go all the yeah. east, all the way west. Like, what about Vancouver and Seattle? Like they're they're all the way out there. They're not like playing one game there, then flying out to New York, and then flying down to Texas. Like there's 
some sort of yes, rhyme and reason exactly. around the logistics of it. Like you would have to make teams go, okay, you go to Montreal, then you go to New Brunswick, then you come down to Boston, then you go to New York. Like you would stick around a loop and you're only going to have to play the team one or two times a year anyways. Like you can get all these teams on the same loops. You could figure it out. It's not that it, big of a deal. Do you think an NHL team could survive at East? 100%. Yeah, I do. And not just survive, thrive. Yes. I think both a now, CFL do, team and an NFL team would do gangbusters. I don't, I don't think for a second, CFL team especially, but I don't think for a second the NHL would be interested in doing that. I think they are very happy with 32 teams, and I think if they do have to move a team, Quebec. like Phoenix, I don't see for, I don't see it ending Houston, up in the Eastern Conference. Houston would or have Kansas. To be, Houston or Quebec. Oh, Kansas, I, well, I even, even Quebec, yeah, I don't see Kansas. it. Because I still think all the teams that we talk about being potential candidates to move are in the West, and I think they want to stay that. I think they want to keep that 16-16 setup. So Kansas City makes sense to me of a team that could yeah. end up getting a team. Um, I feel like Batman would sooner put a team in Mexico than like try and go back into another team in Canada, right? I mean, I hope not, but I think I, I see your point, <laughs> but I would hope not. <laughs> yeah. Like The thing is, too, is like you could put another team in the city and it would do just as good as the Leafs. You know, in terms of in terms of gate, maybe not necessarily sales of jerseys, you know, merch and shit like that. But like, I think gate wise, they would yeah. do just as well. That Markham team everyone used to talk about. <laughs> oh, yeah, Jim, lick my ball, silly. <laughs> All right, we have about ten minutes left, so let's quickly get into this, James and Mary. Yeah, we'll run through it. <clears throat> AEW full gear was this past weekend. I have some thoughts. Okay. And I'm not going to get into my full thoughts because I'll be overly negative. And I don't want to be overly negative about this. But I will give you some like highlights of my thoughts. Because what ended up happening is we had this match wrestling event on Saturday afternoon. And then right after the show, everyone stuck around at the rec room. We watched the show at the rec room. So A, that was cool because you don't really get to experience that as a wrestling fan. Like if you're a, a, a hockey fan, like you go to any bar on a Monday night like tonight and you can be watching this Leeds and Islanders game, et cetera, et cetera. Sir, it's been like that like. since 2012. That's that's a classic move. <laughs> the, the stick around for the pay-per-view, it's been 10 years, Dustin. Oh, no, no. I, what I'm saying is I enjoy... Like, not many people do it. So right. I think it's cool that wrestling fans get that experience because UFC fans get that experience, hockey fans get that experience, basketball fans, et cetera. Yeah. So it's a fun experience to do that with all these people. So that was probably the best part of the night for me. <laughs> okay? Um... <laughs> God damn! If it was me and I was booking this thing, I would have sliced half the matches off this card. It does not need to be a ten-match card. It's with so... three matches on the pre-show. There was thirteen matches that people had to sit through if you went to the show live. Thirteen. It's so bloated. The is that opening a lot match. Card? It is. Yeah, it is a lot. Um, an independent show that uh, we would run typically is seven matches. Uh, WWF pay-per-views that you would remember from the 90s, those were seven match six, cards. Six or seven, yeah. The, be the, the best formula anyone's had in the recent memory was NXT TakeOver. They were two-hour shows. It was five matches. It got all, everything done you needed to get done. It was wonderful. And this show, not even counting the pre-show, started at 7 o'clock. If you just count the main card... That was 10 matches, started at 8 o'clock, ended at midnight. It was four goddamn hours. And nothing, nothing makes sense. 
Oh, so yes, that's a great point as well. And I don't want to belabor this point because I don't want to be overly negative, but there was so many things on this show. And much like our CFL conversation of like, they can't get out of their own way. The same shit. This is a perfect example. They can't get out of their own way. There's too much stuff that just doesn't make sense. And they, 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 they get off on the fact that the, 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 the middle of the road indie fan just l- likes crazy shit. They just like they like stuff. They like buzz things. They're the they're the they get off on the crowd, the gift crowd. They want like little things they can take away from everything to go. That was cool, right? And that's fine if that's what you are. If you're like the gift company because you get this little thing and that little thing and this two second moment here and this three second thing here. Fine, whatever. Um, this funny thing, Danhausen, whatever. It doesn't like. But if you're into like emotionally investing into what's going on how how is that even possible they fucking they 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 told they ruined that the elite was coming like i agree with mr corderas you didn't have to announce that they were the the team like at all i would never have done that um because you would have created a moment and i get you're trying to sell a show but at the same time like if you're if you're aew and you're still trying to sell a show that way you're doing it wrong do you know what i mean like at this point you don't you shouldn't need to use that tactic to sell a show well if you're if you're banking on the second match on the card selling the show you're inherently looking at this upside down right you're selling the show on mjf and moxley you're selling the show on the acclaim versus swerve and keith lee that's what you're selling the show on you're not selling it on the the, the six-man tag match that is going to be the second on the card they still have an interim. Uh, they've had so many interim champions. Like it's UFC. Like I feel like the the women's champions interim. They have they have two. They have a a TNT TBS champ. Like it's just so everything's bloated. There's so many titles. There's a there's a what all Atlantic champion. Like what the fuck is that? Like stop, stop with all the bullshit. Like not every if everyone has a title, then nobody's a champion. Jim Cornette always said, if you have a territory full of seven-footers, you have no giants. So in this situation, you have a, a promotion full of champions, you have no champions. That's what I'm saying, right? Like, yeah. it's, it's just, it's kind of embarrassing. The MJF stuff with Regal, whatever, like, at this point, they, like, to me, they fucked up MJF so hard, like, with, it just doesn't, like, you just know. Right, and if you just know, then that's a problem. I don't know. That's just me. Like it's all so predictable because you just know, you're just like, what boneheaded move would I make? And then not what I make, but like if I was a bonehead, what move would I make? And then they make that move, and then you're like, well, see, there it is. Like, it's just it's it's unfortunate because there's so much good so, talent, and this isn't a talent thing. What I said, I think I said this to Brent Banks yesterday, or maybe in Suave, where I said. I think going forward, I'm going to look at AEW pay-per-views like I look at UFC pay-per-views. So, to me, the pay-per-view starts at 10 o'clock. I don't give a fuck what you guys put on this show from 7 o'clock until 10 o'clock. I'm not watching it anymore. I give up. I'll tune into the pay-per-view at 10 o'clock, and if I did, I would have saw Jamie Hayter versus Tony Storm, I would have saw The Acclaim versus Swerve in Our Glory, and I would have saw MJF versus Moxley. I would have saw those three matches because that took an hour. And that would have been enough. 
That took almost an hour and a half almost. That would have been enough. I would have saw those three matches. I said, great show. I don't care about Jeff Jarrett. I don't care about all the other nonsense Dude, on the why show. The fuck is, why the fuck are the Ring of Honor titles? Uh, like, I, I get you're trying to build the Ring of Honor brand, but then build the fucking brand. It means there's, nothing there's if, it's no. just, if it's just another AEW title. I have many questions, but we don't have time to get into all yeah. of this. What I want to do is end on a positive note. What I want to do is go to everyone's favorite segment of the week. That's right, it's everyone's favorite segment of the week because it is the segment where we get to hear Maven's entrance music from Tough Enough Season 1 on MTV. Uh, my shout out this week and i actually just kind of mentioned him and even though i forgot that he's going to be my shout out <laughs> but my shout out goes to one brent money banks who finally after enough begging and conjoling and convincing he has decided to finally come out and do something in the wrestling industry he's decided to uh, actually answer his phone and uh respond to a text message which is something that he's not normally uh, used to doing so i appreciate brent banks for finally getting back into it because i think he is so good like this guy just i doesn't understand how good he is and he just needs someone to kick him in his ass to like shove him in the right direction and make him a star and brent has all the tools and i wish him all the best and i think he's gonna do great things never gonna happen because the guy's usually half asleep at the wheel all right most and i love the guy to death he's a fantastic dude but and i don't it's a waste of a shout out because he's never going to hear it <laughs> not that oh, God, anyone no. not that anyone we shout out ever hears them but like there's more there's more like that um the shout out to adriana chechik would have made it than brent banks um so there you go uh maddie you can go ahead uh i was gonna shout out you know like we kind of touched on it earlier, but Team Canada first, you know, World Cup in quite a long time, and not even just kind of happy to be there. There's legitimate chances if you know they play well and things obviously do break their way. And so, you know, I think it's it's really cool when you know you're in a country that's so it's always weird because you're we're in a country where we're known to be the best at something which is hockey and it's really cool when other sports that are bigger on the world stage like soccer and we start getting you know some guys that are elevating that in this country so yeah shout out to them legit my shout out is to one luka Doncic for possibly becoming one of the best nba player like dude the season this guy's putting together is absolutely incredible and he gives like i said gives hope to all husky white dudes out there that we can make it uh the dude is averaging 33 points a game right now with a field goal percentage of 49.4 and he's got nine and 9.1 rebounds 8.1 assists 1.9 steals and half a block a game it is unreal the season lucas putting together um and dude, watching him play is just incredible. He makes the the best, craziest decisions with the ball, um, and he just he looks like an all around good dude. So yeah, shout out to Luka Doncic for being the best. 
Well, what's also uh, crazy and stupid is how quickly this two hours has flown by. So we would like to thank you for joining us on episode 32 of 43.6, the sports podcast you've always wanted, which is brought to you, of course, by Now Your Treasures. Make sure you go to Now Your Treasures on Instagram. Send them a direct message, 43.6, for 43% off your next order. Do it now. Thank you. We love you. We'll see you next week uh, for 43.6, episode 33.